Man, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? Man, uh, that was incredible worship. Uh, great songs and uh, what a great challenge to us. And so I just want to say to you, church, I love you. I appreciate you guys. And uh, it's been good to be away for a few weeks. Uh, it's good to be back, though. And just being able to sit here and be able to worship uh, with my church family has been powerful. You know, God's been doing some cool things as we've been away, but it's nothing like being with your church family, being committed and involved and engaged with your own church family. It's just something special about that. If you're joining us online, glad you're with us, glad you're joining us today. And, and uh, today is a special day. It's a, it's a celebration for us. It's, a, it's one of those special days. You know how sometimes God has a certain date that uh, you just can't seem to get away from? I mean, it's there. And uh, for us uh, as a family, it is August 15th. And so uh, not too many years ago, it doesn't seem like it, but uh, on on, in uh, August 15th, 1992, a little after 2 o'clock, I entered into a covenant relationship with my wife, and we celebrate 29 years today, so happy anniversary. I love you. Today is also the anniversary of, uh, of Journey Church, and so today we celebrate 17 years, and uh, it's been amazing what God has done over that. So we want to celebrate that today. We want it to be a celebration. But the funny thing about August 15th, it was also my youngest son Christian's due date, and so we were like, what is up with August 15th? And and anyway, so the doctor was going out of town, so they had to induce a little bit. So he was actually born on, on the 13th. And so Friday, we celebrated 19 years with him. Yesterday, we moved him, in, moved him into his dorm room at the University of Alabama. And, uh, and so it's just like something happens on that day or around this weekend. And then also, many of you guys know, my mom passed away the very first day that we met as a church, August 15th. And then my oldest son got engaged this past year, and his girlfriend's birthday is August 15th. It's like, what's up? You know, so... Uh, so it is, a, it is a weekend, and it is a time of celebration for us as a family. But I also believe for us as a church, it's always important to stop and to look back and to see what God has done, to look at those milestones, you know, to look back and see, you know, hey, what, is, what has God done? And so today as we celebrate, we celebrate 17 years as a uh, 17-year anniversary of the church. Even this past week when I posted about it, I put 18 years. I think I counted COVID as two years, you know what I'm saying? And uh, it felt like it anyway, but... But uh, Laurie, and, uh, Laurie and Daniel were like, uh, isn't it 17 years? And I did the math. I was like, yeah, I guess it is. Uh, but the thing is, is, man, it's been 17 years of, of impact. And I want to share with you just some of the things that have happened. So it's been 17 years of life change. And, and let me go ahead and kind of give you a preface on this. We, you know, I hate technology sometimes. I know some of you guys love it. But anyway, we lost a lot of the data and uh, even some of our metrics through the years. So what I'm going to give you is what we have. But we know that we lost two or three years of, of just numbers and data and stuff that matter. But look at this. 831 people indicated salvation, even with those lost years. Even with those lost years. Here's what's incredible about that. That's more people than can sit in this room that their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Those are the ones that just indicated it said, hey, Mike, I prayed to receive Christ. Or either they put it on a card. We don't know how many others have put their faith in Christ. You know, one of the mission trips that we're going to talk about, there was 1,200 people that came to know Christ on a mission trip. On a mission trip. This is just what's happened in here and what we have seen. And so just to go, you know, God, you have done some incredible things. 709 people followed uh, Jesus in believers' baptism. I mean, that's a celebration. That's what baptism is, and it? It's a celebration. Now, we obviously, there's a, there's a, you might say, well, not everybody followed Christ. We understand that there are people that struggle to follow him in everything that he says to do. But the thing is, is there's some that say, you know what, I'm going to take that step of obedience. There may be some of you sitting here today, you've never followed Christ in believer's baptism. Satan has kept you from experiencing that celebration. So maybe today you say, you know what, I want to add to that number. Here's another one. 
680 life groups have met, plus 35 mentoring groups through the years. Now, again, we lost some data. We don't know if these are, that's what we've got. But I'm sitting there going, man, that's a lot of life groups. And that's a lot of people sitting around the Word of God. And that's a lot of people that are being discipled and trained and equipped. And that's a lot of people that are being encouraged and prayed over. That's a lot of impact that's taking place in people's homes. You know, one of the things we decided a long time ago, we didn't want to build a big old building where there was all these spaces that got, never got used through the week. We wanted to be in people's homes and in restaurants and around tables where people could share life. So we have intentionally gone that direction. So to see that many people around life-changing conversations is awesome. We supported eight church plants, probably more than that, to be honest with you. Uh, those are just some of the ones that I can think of. And I've thought of other churches. Even now we support a church plant up in uh, West Virginia, Baltimore, Air, uh, Maryland area, up in the mountains up there. So church plants that we have invested in, we were a church plant. 19 ministries that we support. And even now we support that many, if not more. And so God has just blessed us and we have been able to give and, and to bless others. And, and God has been so good this year to even send resources to us so we can bless ministries and make a difference like never before. You guys have been faithful. You guys have been faithful this year. And, and, you know, in spite of COVID, in spite of everything, our church has been faithful. And so to look at that, and I want to share another couple of numbers with you I think are pretty cool. Ten mission trips. And, you know, that's Africa, Brazil, Alaska, Montana, Colorado. We've been to a couple of those more than one time. I know to Brazil we've been at least three times, if not four. And, and so we've had all these mission trips where we've been able to go and make a difference. And a lot of those we go in and we train pastors. And, like, for the, the, a couple of the trips to Africa, I was a part of those. We would go in... And we would train and equip pastors that would go back and preach the gospel. They would go back and, and, and lead churches. And, and even this week, there's one uh, pastor called Pastor Festo that we met years ago. I don't even remember how long it's, we've known him. But way back whenever we don't, went on our first trip. And he still stays in contact with me through uh, Facebook. And, you know, and, and we'll talk about, and he'll, he'll just encourage me and talk about how much he loves Journey Church. And we were able to bless him with a motorcycle years ago where he could take the gospel further. He rode a bike everywhere. And so we bought him a motorcycle years ago. We did a, a special campaign. We raised the money to buy him a motorcycle where he could take the gospel to places that he couldn't reach just on a bike. And so we have an opportunity this week to, again, invest in that to those that are taking the gospel, the good news to the lost. That's what kind of life change we're experiencing in these 17 years. The first year we did the big give, this is our missions offering, you know, and uh, the first year we did this kind of as different and kind of set apart to where it's, hey, we're going to give one time a year and we're going to give sacrificially and we're going to give in a way that, man, we feel it. And we pray that the world will feel our impact, and we believe that God will use that to make a difference. And so the first year we gave 15903 This past year we gave $100,000. That's a pretty good increase, you know what I'm saying? And so God will take that. God will use that to invest in ministries and, and missions and lives and to help people that need help. And so I just want to say to you, church, I love you, and I appreciate how much you love the kingdom. And how much you love to be a part of something that is bigger than you. It's bigger than I am. It's bigger than we can be. It's more than just what we do by coming in and sitting down and listening to a message. It's more than that. And so I love the fact that we get to be a part of life change like this. Why do we do that? It's this right here. Because we believe people matter. I believe that God is very clear that people matter. You know, the, the gospel the, the gospel is that God loved us so much that he sent his one son, his only son, Jesus, to this world to share the way and then provide the way and then pay for the way. And so God loved us so much that he sent his son, Jesus, into this world to pay for our sins, for our transgressions, for our mistakes, where we've blown it. 
And so God loves people. That's, that is the mission that Jesus came for. There's other things that he's done, but I'm telling you, if we look back at it, it's Jesus' mission was to, to reach those that were lost. And so throughout these 17 years, man, I prayed for God, you know, God help us to continue to keep a, a mindset that's not just about who's here, but it's who's not here yet. God, it's not just about us being comfortable and just, us just doing church and us having good air conditioning and us having what we need here, God, but it's about reaching those who have not heard the gospel yet. That we're, that we're intentional about reaching those that are far from God because that's what Jesus was. And so we as a church need to have that mentality, right? And that's not just how we like. Mike thinks that way, so I think we're good. Guys, let me just say this. It's not just what I think. It's we as the church have to have that mentality. Every person sitting in a chair in here that is a believer ought to go, you know what? It's about reaching the lost. It's about making disciples. It's about being on mission. It's about the kingdom of God. It's not about my agenda. It's not about what I want. It's not what I desire. It's not stuff. It's not materialism. It's about the kingdom of God. And it's about lives and souls being changed and impacted by the gospel truth that Jesus came and lived out. And so every person in this room that is a believer needs to go, God, change my mind today. Change my mentality. Father, let me focus on the kingdom of God. Let it be about the spiritual things that are happening, not the fleshly things that are happening, not the things of this world. And so, God, help me to be about people. I want, to, I want you to look at a couple things here. None, none of this happens without this right here. And you need to understand this. Never forget this. God's calling and His faithfulness. There's nothing that we do that brings people to Christ. You know, God may use us as a vessel. He may use us as His hands and feet. But the thing is, is it is the Spirit that draws men unto God. It is the Spirit of God that draws men unto Him. And so, so God is using us. But the thing is, is it is all about God's calling. So God is calling out people. He's saying, listen, I want a relationship with you. But he's also called some of us. He's called us to preach. He's called us to serve. He's called us to lead. He's called us to do things. And many of us, man, we, we've heard God call us and we disqualify ourselves. We say, God, I hear what you're saying, but God, I, I'm just not good enough. God, I'm not righteous enough. I don't know enough about the Bible. God, I don't know this. I don't know that. And we begin to just disqualify ourselves, disqualify ourselves. And God says, I qualify you. It is what I bring to the table. And, and so we sit there, and, we, and what we do is we listen to ourselves, we listen to the flesh, and we disqualify ourselves, and we get to the point of where we don't do anything. We'll say that we're about the kingdom, we'll say that we're followers of Christ, but man, there's nothing going on in our life. There's no action, there's no traction, there's no movement, there's no momentum. We're not doing anything. We're kind of going through the motions, we're living it out, but man, we're not really making a difference. And so without God's call and His faithfulness, those 17 years don't happen. Those 17 years don't happen. So what is our part in that? And that's, our, that's our next question. So what is our part? What, what, do we, what do we bring to the table? Because Mike, you say, you know, we don't bring a whole lot to the table. We don't bring a whole lot to the table, I'll be honest with you. We're broken, fallible vessels. But look, God desires our commitment and obedience. So God desires commitment from you and from me. He desires obedience you know, God wants us there, but he broke, he, he, God desires a broken and contrite heart. We're broken over our sin and we say, God, I'm going to commit my life to you. God, I'm going to surrender my life to you. Jesus, here I am. I give you everything that I've got. I give you my life. I can remember at the age of 19 going, you know, guy goes, hey, son, what are you coming for? I said, man, I really don't know. I just know I need Jesus. And I said, God, I'll give you my life. And I did. I said, God, I'll give you my life. I wasn't saying, hey, Jesus, I'm going to accept you, and I'm going to kind of stick you over here. I was like, God, I, I, I give you everything. I give you my life. 
And I think sometimes we just want a little Jesus. We want a little Jesus to say, man, I got one over here. I got Jesus. I'm good. And what God is saying, listen, you've missed it. That's not the gospel. The gospel is whenever we surrender. We say, God, here I am. I give you everything. I give you my life. I give you everything that I've got. My will is to be your will, God. I want what you want. I, it's not about my agenda. It's not even my goals and my aspirations. God, I know you've given me the desires of my heart, but God, I want what you give me. And so it's our commitment and obedience. And let me tell you, in this day and age, commitment doesn't mean a whole lot to people. You say, hey, man, I'll do that and they don't show up. Hey, I'll do that and they don't call. Or hey, I'll do that and they don't follow through. I mean, so commitment doesn't mean a whole lot in this culture and we know that. And so the culture has trained us to say, hey, don't really commit to anything. Just don't commit to it and you won't have to feel bad. But God says, hey, I'm calling you to commitment. I'm calling you to make a decision. I'm calling you to respond. And so there is a commitment that needs to be made. And then the obedience to follow through with that commitment. Here's the other. None of this happens unless there's a living sacrifice. Going, God, I want, I want you to change me. And so here's the thing about a living sacrifice. The living sacrifice is laying down our life and saying, God, I give you everything. I want you to read with me out of Romans 12. Most of you guys know this passage. Many of you may even have it memorized. It talks about a living sacrifice to God. It says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. This is Paul writing to the church at Rome. He goes, I'm, I'm pleading with you. He said, I beseech you. I beg you. Give everything to God. Give your bodies to God. Let them be a, a pleasing sacrifice. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. You know, we just got through doing a worship set, an incredible song. And man, many of us had our arms raised in worship. But this is the thing. That's a, a moment of worship. But how we live, how we live is truly how we worship him. How we live Monday through Friday, how we live you know, on the weekends, how we live outside of here even is really our worship. So God, are we really worshiping you? Or do we just have a segment of worship where we say that's the worship part of the service. Now it's the teaching part. Really, scripturally, all of this is worship. The reading of God's word should be worship. The proclamation of God's word should be worship. And so what we're saying is to God, I want to give you my life. And that's what Paul is saying. He goes, man, this is how we truly worship is to, to, to give him everything. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Let me tell you, Satan loves to attack our, attack our mind. That's where he works the best. I woke up this morning, man, battling Satan. Battling Satan. I mean, I, I felt him attacking my mind. I just had to keep going, God, I, I take that thought captive, I give it back to you. God, I take that thought captive in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. It's not going to win today. And we have to pray in the power of the Spirit. But here's the thing, he's going to attack our, he's going to attack our mind. And so we have to say, God, I need you to change the way I think. And so many of us in this room who would claim, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I'm a follower of Christ. We say, we, we base more of what we do every day based on what the world says and what we have learned from somebody else rather than what the Word of God says. We say, hey, I know what I should be doing, but this is what everybody else is doing. And so what we've got to do is say, God, change the way that I think. We become corrupt by the stuff we bring into our homes through the TV. You know, in a day it was a magazine or maybe it was a newspaper, but we allow those things to change the way that we think rather than letting the Word of God change the way that we think. So then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Everybody says, man, I just want to know God's will. Then get in God's Word and let Him change your mind. 
Get rid of some of the garbage that's coming into your mind. Get rid of some of the, the inputs that you're paying to come into your mind. Get rid of your phone for a while. Maybe you lay your phone down for a while. Maybe you get rid of, like right now, I'm, I'm just, I'm off of social media. If anybody's posting anything to, to me, I don't know it. I'm just telling you. So I've given it up for the next 20, 21 days. We're just going through a time of praying and fasting. And I've given that up. I hadn't been watching the news. I mean, the world could be falling in, but you know what? I trust God. He's got it. I can't stop it anyway. So maybe we need to give up some of the garbage that we're bringing into our minds and our lives. We say, God, I need your word. I need your truth in my life. I need you to set me free from the things that I'm thinking. I need you to set me free from the anxiety and all this stuff that has me in bondage. God, I need you to change the way that I think. Then you can know his pleasing, his good, pleasing and perfect will. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this, this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. We have to humbly come before God and say, God, I, I need to be broken. Arrogance and pride gets in the way and we start thinking we're really got it together. We really don't Man, you know, God has revealed even over my, this time on sabbatical I know many guys probably think I was sitting around a pool eating bonbons or something But i'm just telling you god was taking me through the refiner's fire And it's been a powerful time spiritually But god's just been doing spiritual surgery in my heart And, and i'll share with you towards the end of the message some of what he revealed to me but I'm just telling you, God, God wants to work in us. And, and too often we get to thinking, hey, man, I'm good. I, I, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm good. I've got everybody full. I'm good. And so what we've got to be willing to say, God, I want what you want. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. It says, just as our bodies have many parts and, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. And here's what you need to hear in, in what Paul is saying there. Hey, listen, the church... It's not some building. The church is not some group of people that you are not a part of. If you are a follower of Christ, you are part of it. You might be sitting here saying, well, Mike, I hadn't gone through the membership class yet. If you're a believer, you're a part of the body of Christ. You're part of the church. If you put your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have surrendered your life to him, then you are a part of the church. The church globally. And you've got to say, yeah, God, you're speaking to me when you, when you read these words. God, you're speaking to me. And so I have a part and don't sit here and say, well, I don't really have anything to offer. Yes, you do. You've got something to offer. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. We all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. If you are a follower of Christ, if you have put your faith in Jesus, if you have surrendered your life to Him, He has given you a spiritual endowment, a spiritual gift that He expects you and me to use for the kingdom of God and to help build up the body of Christ. And too often what we do is we sit on our gifts. We sit on our hands. We hope somebody else will. We defer to someone else. Hey, we need someone to help with this. And I was like, man, I hope somebody volunteers. I had a lady one time, I, I said, hey guys, I need some help with this. I was a youth pastor at the time. I said, I need some help with this. And the lady, and, uh, the lady came up after She said, hey, listen, I'll do whatever you ask me, but I don't volunteer for anything. I said, well, I was just asking you to volunteer. You know, I was just asking you to help out. I mean, I don't know what else you need. And sometimes we do, we put little filters on like that to God. Say, God, if you'll, if you'll write it on the wall, God, I'll do it. God, if you tell me to do it. He just told you. He wrote it on a book. He wrote it in the Bible. He said, hey, listen, I want you to use your gifts. I want you to do what I have, I have gifted you to do. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Speak out in faith. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're, if you're a teacher, teach well. If you notice, none of these are saying, hey, listen, if you've got time, if you can work it into your schedule, they're saying, hey, if you've got these, use these. That's what the Scripture's saying, right? God is saying, hey, listen, I didn't give you these to sit on. I didn't give you these to use for just a season. 
I gave you these to use to build up the kingdom of God and to do everything you can to build up the bride of Christ. He said, I gave you these gifts. If you can teach, teach well. We have people that say, man, I, you know, I, I can teach, but I just don't really feel led at this time to teach. Why? Maybe Satan's lying to you and say, hey, listen, you're not, you're not good enough. You don't have what it takes. You're not, you're not there. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. It's not an option. He said, hey, if that's your gift, then do it. If that's your gift, then be encouraging. Don't sit there and, well, I'll wait for a good opportunity or I'm going to do it whenever I feel like it's, you know, God is leading me to do it. God's already told you to do it. If it is giving, give generously. There's some people who say, well, you know, if I get some money, then I'm going to give. God said, hey, let's just give. This is the issue of the heart. It's not about the amount. Say, well, if I get a lot of money in, then I'm going to give. That's not what that says. It says if you have the gift of giving, give. Give. And trust God to give you more because that's what he does. He says, hey, if I can trust them to give, then I'll give them more. And here's the thing. They'll be able to do even more. But that's your gift and give. Don't wait for just an opportunity. Say, I'm just going to wait for a big opportunity or more money to come in. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. There's so many books on leadership right now. I mean, it's just ridiculous. And so many people want to be leaders. And they read a lot of books. They just don't want to lead. They love reading books about leadership and telling you what they know about leadership, but they just don't want to lead, lead well. They want to lead in the church. They want to lead in the kingdom. They don't want to lead in the community. They want somebody else to do it, but they know about leadership. And what it says here is, I mean, if you've got that gift, use it. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. It's not when you want to or when you feel like it or, hey, whenever there's a better season. It's saying if you've been given these gifts, use them. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. I can remember reading this passage so many times through the years and I'd go, what does it mean to pretend to love people? It means to be fake or plastic. But if you really love people, it's from the heart. You know, sometimes we'll say, you know, hey man, only Jesus could love that person. What if Jesus said that about you? What if he said, hey, that's, you know, man, only, 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 I could say, only I could love Mike. But the thing is, is, it says to really love people, and it means to love them from the heart. Hate what is wrong. We, we should hate what is wrong. We should hate when the world is taking over the church. We should hate when the church backs down from the world. We should hate those things. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Hold tightly to the Word of God. Hold tightly to the gifts that God has given us. Hold tightly to, to the message of the gospel. Hold tightly to what God is doing in his, within His bride. Love each other with genuine affection. Genuine. There's authentic. Genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. In other words, it's not about honoring self. It's not about honoring me. It's, it's about honoring others. It's about lifting them up. It's about building them up. It's about encouraging them. And that's where leadership kicks in. Whenever we begin to build others up, man, it's not about myself. It's about others. We make it about them. God says, hey, listen, I'll bless you. I'll take care of you. It says, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. We need to hear that in this day and age. Our culture needs to hear that. That we're to work hard. Let me just say this about, and I know a lot of y'all are going, man, amen, some people need to go back to work. Everywhere I go, there's hiring signs and nobody wants to work. That's not what I'm talking about. I think that here, you know, Paul is talking about spiritual gifts. He's talking about the church. And what happens is the church doesn't work hard. We get lazy. We get lazy. We don't do our job. You might say, well, Mike, I'm not on staff at the church. That's not what I'm talking about. And that's not what Paul is talking about. What he's saying, hey, listen, if you're a believer, if you're part of the body of Christ, if you're, a, if you're a member of the body of Christ, then work hard. Use your gifts. Make a difference. You matter. You matter. You have a part in it. I tell people all the time, 
our parking team, whenever they're out there in the parking lot, man, speaking to people. You know, don't think you're out there just to, to endure the heat so that, you know, everybody can get a parking place. You're out there helping people take steps towards Christ. Our greeters, when someone walks through the door, you're helping them find a seat. But that's only part of it. You're helping them take steps towards Christ. When someone's over here serving in the children's ministry, and man, a family comes in, maybe it's their first time. I've always told our people, hey man, pray over them. You don't have to lay hands on them, but man, pray over them. So God, give them peace of mind that their child is taken care of. And God, show me how to minister to this child today so that that mom and dad can go in that room and be ministered to by the message of the gospel. And you're helping them take steps towards Christ. So we should never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically with excitement. Wes came out here this morning. He goes, man, I can't help it. We're excited today. And he's right. It's a celebration of what God has done. But we're also excited about what God is doing today and what God's going to do in the days to come. I mean, we're in a time where we need the church to be busy about God's business, to be working hard, to be making a difference, to be praying down strongholds and praying down God's power on his church. That we would not just walk out of here and kind of go back to the same old thing we did last week. We walk out of here empowered by the Spirit of God going, I want to go make a difference and I want to use my gifts. That's what, that's what the world is looking for is a light. And that's what the church is to be. It says rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. We've got to be a praying church. We've got to be a praying church. That starts with me. I need to be a praying man. Praying way more than I've been praying in the past. And I'm just telling you, we as a church need to be a praying people. God is looking for that. He's looking for a praying people. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to ha- practice hospitality. Let me just say this. I know some of y'all are sitting here thinking, Mike, man, that all sounds good. It is good because it's God's word, right? But you hear that and you go, man, that all sounds good. But, man, you don't know me. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've been a part of. And maybe your whole life someone's told you you'll never amount to anything. They've told you that you'll never be good enough. And so I'm just telling you, man, I know those lies. I get hit all the time by the lies of Satan. I told you, I woke up this morning with him lying to me. But I've been told so many times by Satan, you're not enough. You're not righteous enough to be leading that church. You're not a good enough husband. You're not a good enough dad. And there's so many times you entertain those thoughts long enough, you'll begin to believe those thoughts, right? And so he loves to make us insecure. And that's just the opposite of what God does. God says, hey, listen, you are enough because of what I bring to the table. And so here's the thing. You know, Satan lies, tells those lies, and there's enough truth in there till you begin to go, maybe he's right. There's enough truth in there because, you know what, I am not righteous enough. It's the righteousness of Christ that is applied to me that makes me even able to stand before his people. And so there's other things he'll say, and you go, you know, there's a little bit of truth in that. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. But here's the thing. It's not what I bring to the table. Jesus says, I'm enough, Mike. Mike, I I can work through anybody. I can work through a donkey in the Bible. I can work through you. I can work through anybody I want to. It is what I bring to you. It's what I empower you with. It's what I do through you. And so do you trust me? And so I've I've had to say, God, I, I trust you so many times whenever I was being lied to by the enemy. So God has given us gifts to help build up the body of Christ. Every person in this room that has put their faith in Christ, that has surrendered their life, you have a spiritual gift. Don't believe what Satan says to you. Know that. And so walk out of here knowing, hey, Scripture says I have been given a gift. And I have to use that gift. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you have a spiritual gift. If you have, you might say, Mike, I don't know if I have the Holy Spirit. Well, then nail that down today. Nail that down today. Say, God, I want to receive Christ. I want to, I want to, I want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to be led by the Spirit. God, I want you changing my life. 
I want, I want to share something with you. This was a, this is really a gift to our church. And we talk about gifts. And so um, a friend of mine, you talk about in Africa. We were talking about Africa a little bit earlier. This is a, a picture that a friend of mine, Andre DeVries, uh, painted. Andre is a missionary in South Africa. And I've been there to Africa. Uh, Africa for Jesus, which is the, the training camp where he's at. That's one of the places we trained 90-something pastors a couple of years ago. And, um, and anyway, Andre, all of this is faith-based. He, he's out in the middle of nowhere, and he started it with nothing, and God has built this incredible compound where they train pastors. They, uh, they, they help set people free from, from alcohol and, and uh, drug addictions and everything. They, they just, they'll, they'll take in anybody. And they take them through a discipleship training program. They equip them, and then they send them all throughout Africa to present the gospel and to share what they have learned. And so it's incredible. And so Andre, a year ago, I just got a message from this past week. I, he, he told me he'd only been painting for about a, a year. That is incredible. And so, so this, this painting, this is just one of about 40 or 50-something pieces that he's done. And so, with it, so I, I, I sent him a message. I said, dude, that is incredible. I said, what are you going to do with it? He said, man, I don't know. I said, well, let me ask you. I said, would you be willing to, you know, to, for a donation or to sell it or something? And he said, I said, that would go to the ministry. And he said, absolutely. I said, I want that one. <laughs> so, dude, that is awesome. I said, I want that one. I said, listen, whatever, you know. And so we, we bought this as a church, to be honest with you. And we said, you know what? We want to support your ministry. So 10% of everything he paints goes to support another ministry that's not even his. And then everything that comes in through the paintings goes towards support of his ministry. And so what he did is he said, God, this is your gift. And so he began to paint these paintings. And as he began to paint these paintings, he would say, God, I just want you to show me what to paint. And so he would paint them. And, and he's been, and that was his first international sale. He said he was so excited about it. He sent it to Pastor Ken Gay. And whenever Ken got here and spoke a few weeks ago, Ken brought it in a tube and and anyway, I didn't open it up. I was going to wait until I could take it and have it framed. And anyway, he kept going, hey, have you opened that painting? I said, dude, I'm on sabbatical. I said, I'm, I hadn't really you know, dealt with it yet. He goes, man, I am so nervous. I'm about to throw up. I need to know if it's okay. And so when I opened it up and I was at, the, uh, at Hobby Lobby getting it framed, the young man there named Darius, who is named after King Darius in the Bible, we got to talk and I got to share with him the story behind this guy using his gifts. And he said, dude, that's amazing. He's an art student. He said, would it be all right if I follow him? I said, go ahead and follow him. I said, just look at what God is doing through this guy and how he has used his gifts. He's like, man, this is amazing. He's been painting less than a year. I said, absolutely. So what has God got in you that's a gift that maybe you've just been sitting on? And here's the thing. There's some of you that may even already know what that gift is. And maybe some of you, you just need to trust God and say, God, I'm going to trust you to reveal what the gift is. But God has gifted you. God wants to use you. And you are enough with Jesus working through you. I want to share a passage with you. This is the Old Testament. This is Isaiah. This is Isaiah's cleansing. And, 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 and this is a, a beautiful picture of... Uh, to me in the Old Testament that God is, is, is doing here. It says it was in the, king, it was in the year of King Uzziah uh, died that uh, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a, a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they flew. They, God was so holy 
They were having to literally cover themselves. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And so just imagine, you know, if you can picture what that might be like. You know, here's Isaiah. Man, he is in the presence of God. And he's seeing, seeing this and it, it rattles his cage. It rattles him in, in, to the core of who he is. And he sees the Lord's glory. He said, their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it is all over. I am doomed for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live in a, among a people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King of the Lord. I have seen the King, the Lord of heaven's armies. Can't you relate to that? Filthy lips. Living among a people with filthy lips. So Isaiah is broken over his sin. He, 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 comes, he becomes broken over it. The condition of his heart. You know, he's, he's got, I'm, I'm broken over this. And, and some of this is out of fear. It's in, and we need a healthy fear of God. But he's just like, you know, I am, I'm done. I am toast. And there may be some of you that you feel like, you know, that, that's where I'm at. Man, I am done. I am toast. But here's what I love. Let's keep following. It says, then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And he touched my lips with it. And, and it said, and said, see, this, is, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. In the Old Testament, we see that it was like fire was a refining fire. And, and, and we don't hear that Isaiah had great pain or anything like that, but man, he, he, it, it was taken away. And, and so God had this, this refining fire that he would take us through. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a, as a messenger to these people and who will go for us? And this is what I love. Because of the refining that had taken place in Isaiah, he, you know, he says, here I am, send me. He says, here I am. And maybe there's some of you in here today, you know, you have that mentality that Isaiah says, you go, you know, Lord, I, I, I'm, I'm undone. I, I, I don't deserve it. But God, if you need me, if you want me, if you'll use me, God, here I am, send me. I don't know what I bring to the table. I can remember at that age of 19 and 20, man, I was wrestling with God. You know, God, I don't know how you're going to use me, but God, here's my life. God, I don't know what I can do. I'm not going to get up in front of people. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. But God, here I am. And God said, hey, listen, you just give me everything and I'll take care of the rest. Now, what I love about this, this is the Old Testament. Like I said, it's a purifying fire. But when we get to the New Testament, there's one who cleanses. He cleanses us with the blood of Christ. Jesus, our Messiah, the, the Savior of the world, goes to the cross, lays down his life for you and for me. He literally says, I will cover their sin debt. I will pay the price. I will pay everything. I will cover them. And so I just want to ask you today, man, have you ever put your faith in Christ? Have you ever received the atoning blood of Christ over you? Say, Jesus, I just want you to cover me. I want you to wash me white as snow. That's what Scripture says you'll do. So in the Old Testament, we see this purifying fire. In the New Testament, we see the, the precious blood of Christ. Let me tell you, we need revival more than we've ever needed it. And I'm not talking about just in our nation. I know everybody wants to point to the news and go, boy, we need revival. I'm telling you, we need it in our church. We need it, in, we need it personal revival. And that's a couple of things we need to look at. One, we do need it in our church. Our nation needs it. Our nation needs to see the church be a bright light. The, the, the nation needs to see that believers really believe what they claim. The nation needs to see that we believe what we claim to believe about God and we believe about His Word. We don't, we don't base our decisions on politics and anything like that. We base it on the Word of God and our faith in God's Word and God, God, our faith in what God has provided through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's what we need. And so there is a need for revival in our nation, but more than that, it needs to be in the church. The church has got to say, God, we are praying for revival. We're asking for revival, God. We need revival. God, we have, we have lost sight of what really matters. 
God, we are too focused on things of this world. And the last one here is we need personal revival. It starts right here. It starts with me. It starts with you. It's you going, God, I need you to change. I need you to change my heart. God, I, I need you to, I need you to do something. I feel like right now in, in our world, there are too many Christians watching the scoreboard. You know, I don't know if you, if you're, I don't know if you like sports or not, but there are times whenever you watch a team and maybe they're supposed to be winning. They're supposed to, you know, they're, they, they're the projected favorite or whatever. And they get in a ball game and man, all of a sudden they're just getting it handed to them. And maybe they're three touchdowns down or whatever. And you look over on that sideline and man, they're, and the commentators begin to talk about, man, they kind of got their heads hanging down. They're sitting over there. They look defeated. They look like they're out. They look like they don't have a chance. You know, and everybody begins to agree. So, man, they're down by three touchdowns. They're running out of time. You're right. But it always seems like there's one guy. There's one person. And maybe it's the coach. I don't know. Maybe it's the, the quarterback. Maybe I don't know. Maybe it's the running back. Maybe it's the defensive back. Maybe it's the kicker. I don't know. But somebody gets up and begins to go up and down that line and says, hey, guys, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. And he begins to do everything he can to kind of pump them up. And they'll kind of look up at him. And he goes, hey, we're not done yet. We've got to go out there and do what we have trained to do. We've got to go out there and do what we are called to do. We've got to go out there and fulfill the purpose that God has given us. And so that one guy begins to stir them up. And they begin to believe, you're right. We're not done. We're not defeated. We're going to go out. We've got time on the clock. We're going to do everything we can to win this. And I'm just telling you, that's what God is doing to the church. He's saying, God's not done yet. And I hope I can be that guy who's on the sideline going, guys, we are not done we have too much to do. There's too much time on the clock. Quit looking at the scoreboard. And let's just say, God, we trust you. Look at this passage here. This is, this is out of the Old Testament. It says, this, then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. How many times have we heard that passage and we go, I agree, but we don't do what it says to do. We don't believe it enough to be moved to action. We don't believe it enough to step into it. We don't believe it enough to get on our knees and begin to pray it down. And so we've got to say, God, not only do I read that, but God, I believe that. And God, I want to apply that. And we've got to be able to say, you know what, God, here am I. Send me. Look, God is looking for a people that will pray. He's looking for a people that will pray. He's looking for a people that will get on their knees and fight for their, their church. They will fight for their community. They'll fight for their family. They'll fight for their marriage. God is looking for a people that will pray. Maybe one of you would be like Isaiah and say, God, use me. God, use me. God is looking for a people that will pray. God is looking for a people that will serve. If everybody in this room is a follower of Christ, you have a spiritual gift. Are you using it? Are you in a season that you just said, you know what, not right now? Or maybe one day. Hey, when my schedule changes or whatever. Or I'll, God, I'll just, you can just use me every other week or every couple of weeks or something like that. I'm not going to fully commit. I don't really want to commit to anything. I've got too much on my schedule outside of you. And so, God, I really want to serve. But, you know, there's, there's, there's things in the way. But I'm just telling you what God is looking for a people that will serve. God is looking for a people that are committed. Committed means you're all in, doesn't it? You made an agreement. You made a pledge. And you said, you know what? I am in for the long haul. I am committed. I am all in. And so let me ask you, are you committed or are you just kind of flippantly, half-heartedly doing something? Are you committed to your church? Are you committed to your church? You say, you know what? If I can be there, I'm going to be there. You know, I'm I'm committed to prayer. If I'm going to get up and I'm going to pray every day. Are you committed to your family? I'm going to do whatever it takes to lead my family and we're going to serve the Lord. 
Are you committed to your marriage? Are, hey, I'm going to do everything I can to, to honor the covenant that I established. Are you going to do everything you can to reach the loss that you know? They're going to say, God, use me. I want to be a voice of reckoning in their life. I want to be a voice of truth. So God is looking for people that are committed. They're all in. God is looking for a people that trust him and want revival. Let me tell you one thing that we've got to understand. is We have got to trust God. Not politicians. And we've got to trust God. And not what the news says. And we've got to trust God. And not what even our friends say at times. We've got to look into the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, teach me. Show me. Lead me. Guide me. And God, whatever you lead me to do, I trust you. I trust you with everything. I want to read a passage to you. Out of Revelation. that God used this to really speak to me. In my time away. In my time of prayer, in my time of fasting, I begin to ask God, you know, God, show me the condition of my heart. Show me the offenses I have between you and I. Father, I want, I want to love you. Jesus, I want to love you. Holy Spirit, I want to love you. And God began to reveal some things to me. And in this passage, this is in Revelation, it's writing to the church at Ephesus. And many of you guys have heard it before, but man, it, it just pierced my soul. During this time where it says, these are the words of him who, who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. It says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tested those who claim to be apostles, but are not, and have found them false. And what he's saying, hey, listen, I know you've worked hard. I know you've done a lot of things, and I know you've done all this. You've persevered and endured hardships for my name. And have not grown weary. Sometimes we just have to persevere. He says, yet I hold this against you. You've forsaken the love you had at first. When I, you know, when I read that, I realized, man, I had drifted. Busy doing ministry, planning events, challenging people, preaching. But God said, Mike, you've forsaken your first love. Sometimes all that stuff is more important than I am. And I need you to know that. And man, it broke me. I'd forsaken my first love. It says, consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I'll come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. See, I think sometimes in church we, we get moved by the Holy Spirit. And sometimes we get convicted by the Holy Spirit, but we don't really repent. We just say, I'm going to do better moving forward. But there's no real brokenness. There's no repentance. There's no commitment. There's no change. We just keep playing the game. Going through the motions. But I believe that God is calling the church to repentance. I believe that God is calling me to repentance. I believe God's calling you to repentance. I believe He's calling us to do something. Today, let today be a day of, of, of decision. Let it be a, a day of deciding something. I know many of you are probably already going, you know what? Hey, I'm, I'm going to start thinking about that. I'm going to start praying about that. You don't have to pray. You don't have, you don't have to pray. You just need to respond. So let today be a, a day of deciding. Let today be a decision moment. Let, let it be a deciding moment. Here's another one. Let today, to be, let today be a day we return to our first love. And many of you may be thinking about your marriage. Well, maybe, you know, I quit doing the things I did back whenever we fell in love and we've just kind of drifted apart. Well, here's the thing. Maybe if you get your first love 
right. And that's Jesus. You and Jesus being healthy, it will affect that second love. Laurie is number two on my list. Jesus has to be number one. My family comes after that and my ministry after that. So we've got to be able to say, God, help me return to my first love. If he's drawing you, he wants you to respond. He wants you to receive his love. Let today be the beginning of revival. Who has, who, who has a part in that? God, God, we're fixing to sing a song in just a few minutes about God pouring out revival. But here's the thing. He's calling us to revival. He's calling us to repentance. We have a part. He's not going to force us. He's not going to make us. But we've got to say, God, we want revival. God, I want revival to start in my heart. God, I want revival to start in my church. God, I want revival to start in my family. God, I want revival to start in my marriage. God, I want revival. God, will you pour out your spirit on me? God, will you lead me? And I'm going to just tell you, his answer is yes. He wants it more than we want it. We have a responsibility. We have a response in that. We've got to be willing to trust him. I want to ask you if you would just to bow your heads and close your eyes. And this, this, we're, we're, we've got a few more things we're going to do. Actually, before you do that, I want you to look back up here. I want you to look back up here. There's a card in your seat. Everybody in here looking at that. If you're looking on, watching online, we'll, we'll send you a picture of it or whatever. But it, there's a, a card in here, and I want you to see what it says. It says at the top, and I want you to, everybody get a pen. Everybody get a pen. This is going to be interactive. Get a pen. At the top of that card, it says, I'm ready to make a difference. I want you to scratch out ready. I want you to scratch out ready. Just scratch it out. And I want you to write above that, I'm committed to make a difference. Take that pen, scratch out ready, and just say, I am committed to make a difference. You ought to already be ready. There ain't no reason to put it on a card, I'm ready. You need to see to say, you know what, I'm committed to make a difference. I'm committed to make a difference. And then I want you to put your name on there, and I want you to put your phone number on there. And I want you to put, hey, these are the areas I'm willing to serve in, whatever it might be. And in just a minute, I want to ask you to bring these cards to the altar. This, this stage is the altar today. And I want you to be praying right now. And so when we walk into this time, I'm going to give an invitation to those who do not know Christ to receive Christ. Because, see, they don't have a, Holy, they don't have a gift of the Holy Spirit yet. They don't, have a, they don't have a spiritual gift yet. But whenever they pray to receive Christ, they will have a spiritual gift. But those of us in this room that have a spiritual gift, it's saying, God, it's saying, God I'm committed to use it. I'm committed to use it wherever needed. God, I'm committing my life, fresh and new, to serve you. God, I'm praying for revival. I'm asking you to do something. So I want to ask you to bow your heads right now, everybody across the room. If you're watching online, let this be your decision to receive Christ. Just say, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe that you went to the cross, and I believe that you bled out your precious blood for me. And so, Jesus, I come to you today giving you my life. I surrender everything. I surrender my life to you. Jesus, will you come into my life? Will you be my leader? Will you be my Lord? I give you everything. I surrender. And so, Jesus, I, I ask you to forgive me of the sins that I've committed. And, and, and just confess them to God. Say, God, I confess them to you, their sin. And so, Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to turn to you. That's repentance. So, Jesus, come into my life and save me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Seal me with the Holy Spirit. And give me the spiritual gifts I need to make a difference for your kingdom. If you just prayed that prayer, anybody in the room, maybe you're online. If, you don't, if you're online, text us and say, I just prayed that prayer. Maybe you're watching online. Go over to, the, to the, the response over there to the side and just say, hey, listen, I just prayed to receive Christ. I asked Jesus to come into my life. I want somebody to walk with me. But if you just prayed that prayer and you're here in this room, just raise your hand and say, Mike, that's me. I just I prayed that prayer. I just asked Christ to come into my life. Anybody in the room, you say, Mike, I just asked Jesus to come into my life. 
And that tells me there's a lot of believers in this room that have the, have the spiritual gifts that God has given you. And so I want to challenge you right now. I want, to, I want to ask everybody just to stand. Everybody in the room, I want you to go ahead and ask you to stand. We're fixing to sing a song in just a second. We're praying for revival. Are you with me in praying for revival? Are you with God who is saying, hey, I want to reach. I want to reach this area. I want to reach this community. So I want to, I want to ask you, are you willing to say, you know what, I am committed. I'm willing to step forward, lay this down as a sign of my commitment. You know, that, that ring on my finger does, is not what makes me marry. I can take it off, but I'm, I'm married to my wife. But what it is, it's a symbol. It's a reminder that I am married. I'm in a covenant relationship. This card is a symbol. But the commitment has to be in your heart. It has to be the commitment that you make with God. And it doesn't matter if the card disappears. The commitment is there. And so I want to ask you to respond as God leads you. I'm challenging you to respond. It's just to walk down to here. Whether nobody else walks down here. You walk down and you lay that card and say, I am committed. I want revival. I want God to change this place. I want God to change me. And so just lay that card on that there. Thank you. So respond right now as God leads you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Lord, Father, we bind Satan and his demons and the work they're trying to do already. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray for strongholds to be torn down. Father, take the blinders off our eyes of the church. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord, Father, we pray that you would empower us. Lord, Father, that even as we walk into this day and tomorrow and the next day, Father, that our commitment, God, we would hold it up. Reminding us, Lord, Father, that we have given you everything. Father, we pray for your power to fill us and to use us this week for your purposes and for your kingdom. God, thank you for this church. Thank you for Journey Church. God, thank you for the love that you've given me for them. God, I pray that we as a church would love you first and foremost over anything and before everything. So, God, thank you for meeting with us today. I know you're not quite done here yet, God. But I pray that as we walk out of here, we would walk out of here empowered by the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hey, Pastor Mike did a, a good job celebrating what God has done through Journey Church. And one of the reasons he's been able to do that is because of Pastor Mike's faithfulness for 17 years. So, brother, we appreciate you. Would you guys help me tell him thank you? 17 years of ministry. Big deal, brother. We love you. We're grateful for you. Hey, you guys, if you made a decision today, if you would, let us know by texting uh, the uh, phrase, my decision to the number 94,000. You can do that whether you're in the room or whether you are joining us online. Also, if you're here today and uh, you just want someone to pray with you, we would be honored to pray with you this morning. Our prayer team at the end of each service is on each side of the platform. They're easy to spot. They have on yellow name badges. You just walk up to them. They would love to pray with you uh, this morning.